0: Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. You better not be looking into a mirror right now, girl. I'm telling you right now.
1: Ah! Hey, chatters, I'm Nat. And I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat. I'm your forensic femme fatale, and Natalie is your true crime connoisseur with a twist.
0: We're just two normal girls who have decided to donate their brains to science because one. We want the crime chat to continue. And two, maybe they can figure out what the fuck is wrong with us, why we obsess about dark (laughs) crimes, evil minds, and occasionally
1: the unknown. (laughs) We're going to get into that weird stuff today. Yeah. So here's your disclaimer, chatters. The Fallen Crime Chat contains adult content and descriptions of potentially violent scenarios, I'm assuming. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. So your listener discretion is advised. You have been
0: warned. And before we get into today's crime chat, well... Before we get into today's sinful spirits crime yeah, chat.
1: Yes, sinful spirits today. And do you have your sinful spirit? What is your choice? So my sinful spirit today, I'm going easy. I'm okay. You doing a, a white claw back. Ba- Babé, <laughs> <laughs> is that your first White Claw? <laughs> My first one. I've only had a couple sips. A White Claw Blackberry. Nice. I don't know if the surge is different from like the regular. You would think it might be like an energy drink mm-hmm. seltzer, but I don't think it, I don't think it has any like caffeine in it or anything. It doesn't say so. It's gluten-free. Cheers. Cheers. I have my crime chat glass. Oh, you got your glass. Yeah. And my
0: sinful spirit is Mike's hard lemonade. Yeah.
1: So, so last week you gave me a quiz on Stranger Things. Yes, and you scored 175 points. 100,000 <laughs> million points. Million points. <laughs> So many points. But all I really have been doing is been getting ready for the next episode. Look at this sucker. (gasps) So I'm holding up a book Mm -hmm. and I I can't even, it's, I don't know, it's like three inches thick.
0: It's a big book.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's over 600 pages and it's about the secret lives of Marilyn Monroe, which uh, next week we are going to cover crime and cosmetics uh, on Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And there's so much, so much in this book and some of the research that I've done that I, I, we may have to go to a
0: two-parter. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. We may have to. And we got some things planned for that episode. It's going
1: to be super fun. Oh, yeah. You're definitely going to want to watch the video on that one. (laughs) Yes. So anything else with you before we get into this sinful spirit? We're all caught up on Stranger Things. (sighs) And I think I might have convinced my husband to watch it with me again from the beginning. Good. I think I have. So we just need to set that time. You know, once I'm on the same continent, we need to set that time. How do you feel how it ended? Well, it definitely ended with it uh, wide open. And I think we mentioned before there's going to be a season five. Absolutely. Yeah. Some of the research that I did before I saw the, the season finale for season four i thought like i thought vecna was like a sub person mm-hmm. to like the some overall demon you know how it would flash and you'd see like that spider thing in the sky yes so i think i'm a little confused on that part to, of it but i don't want to sorry spoiler alert if you <laughs> oh if you haven't watched it then you know what we don't want to be a friend so. <laughs> spoiler alert but and this wasn't any that like I was just researching, because I, I, I I'm a, I'm an addict, so I have to <laughs> feed my stranger thoughts things <laughs> needs yeah. so i would i do research and look at youtube and like behind certain things i'd love to watch the behind the scenes stuff um some of their bloopers i've seen but other than that yeah. these babies like they were you know what 10 11 12 maybe 13 years old and now they're like yeah. 18 19 years old they're in that awkward stage you <laughs> see them growing yeah literally growing up on
0: in in front of the camera I know so it's interesting the story definitely took a turn this this season yeah um introducing number one (sighs) as being the the conduit between the two worlds but also knowing that number 11 kind of sent him there
1: yes oh and then papa papa what a douchebag all right I'm like oh gosh okay and then Eddie oh Eddie
0: oh okay wait all right stop we just need to a moment of silence for Eddie
1: because that guitar riff oh my with gosh. Metallica Master of Puppets. But yeah, Master of Puppets that song like his phenomenal. Phenomenal. I, phenomenal. I can I can I can talk about this all day, but we we got a crime chat to get to. We do. We do. We have a sinful spirit to get to. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so before we get into your sinful spirits for today, I thought we would talk about some of those childhood sleepover games Mm. that would spook you out. Do you remember doing that?
0: I love them.
1: Yes. Some of the more popular ones our chatters might recall. I'm going to go through ten. Okay. Number one, concentrate. I don't think I've heard of that. You close your eyes, you sit on the ground while your friend recites a dark poem about people dying, babies crying, imitates murdering you in various ways, and then pushes you over. And by the end, you're supposed to have gotten into a trance that will allow you to see how you died. I never knew about this one. (laughs) I never knew about that either. Ooh. Number two, Bloody Mary. Uh Uh-huh. You stand in a pitch-dark bathroom facing the mirror. Say Bloody Mary's name three times, and if it works, you might see her face. Mm. Depending on what she thinks of you, she could scratch you or possibly pull you through the mirror into her world. That's the version I grew up with. That's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, And then you've got the Ouija board, of course. Started as a parlor game in the 1800s, the game was first advertised as a magical device that answered your most burning questions about the past, the present, and the future with marvelous accuracy. (laughs) It promised to, quote, never-failing amusement and recreation for all of the classes. I mean, 1800s, we had classes, right? Do you find it weird that that's an actual toy? That's a toy, cat. It's a toy. It's for eight and above. Yeah, I know. It's a toy. Did you ever play it? Of course. Is crazy? <laughs> <laughs> so the connection was like to draw in between the known and the unknown and actually they use the ouija board as say se- in seances as well so even though it was a game it originally only cost a dollar fifty that's it that was the original cost for the game okay so number four light as a feather i remember this light as a feather stiff as a board this game is where one person pretends to be dead while everyone chants light as a feather stiff as a board demonically mm-hmm. while they make them levitate did you ever get to do it i did i mean i I grew up
0: with this stuff. But did you actually levitate somebody? Yeah. It, I know. But they said like there's a there's a reason for that because your muscles yeah. are like pulling up. Mm-hmm. But yeah at the time we were kids we didn't know that and we
1: were like oh my god it's working. I know. I know. I saw something where I was watching like a, a little video about it and basically if you think before you do it that this person is too heavy I can't lift them with my fingers then you automatically can't do it. Ah. Okay. But if like you go in and like clear your mind and you say this chant and then you go to do it mm-hmm. then you know their light is a feather stiff as a board positive thinking <laughs> uh, okay so number five sandman have you heard of that one? Oh uh, yeah <laughs> okay i haven't i haven't heard of this one but basically it's like opposite of light as a feather and it makes you feel like your whole body is filled with sand and it's just like heavy impossible for you to stand up oh no this is not what this is not what i was thinking of i was thinking of like
0: the boogeyman but okay
1: oh okay <laughs> so while one person lays on the ground face down another person should be the speaker and describe in detail how you were murdered and filled with sand then they should go into as much detail as they can muster while gently rubbing your legs and your arms like touching you kind of while they're doing this uh-huh. and then when you stand up like you feel like if you can stand up you just feel heavy and like your whole body is filled with sand this is a very like it's
0: so funny our childhood was so morose yeah kids today like they don't play these games Are i these... don't think
1: so i wouldn't know <laughs> Uh, So number six is called Three Kings. You set up two mirrors across from each other. Uh And you sit in a chair, which is called the throne, in the middle of the two. Making sure you don't look in the mirror, so it has to be like peripheral vision, right? Right. And you look straight ahead. The player should hold a lit candle in your hand and make sure not to let the flame go out. The player responds to the king, and then the other mirrors represent the queen and a fool, without knowing like which one is which. And a ritual begins at exactly 3.30 in the morning. The player can begin asking questions into the darkness, and if all goes right there'll be an answer from one side of the mirror but you don't know if it's the queen or the fool and basically since you're not sure you have your answers with a grain of salt i can see where like you know how sometimes when you ask and you're sitting in silence yeah your mind just goes so you may think that some whatever that is it's answering you yeah you know uh number seven is dry bones you take um or you ask a deadly spirit into your house well no and then you try to hide from it until three o'clock in the morning what the hell is this if you make it your wish will be granted oh if you don't well you don't make it <laughs> what kind of game is this oh my dry bones this one is this next one is interesting eight the midnight man write your full name on a piece of paper along with a drop of your own blood <laughs> turn off all the lights and place the paper in front of a closed wooden door light the candle and put it on top of the paper knock on the door 22 times very mm. specific <laughs> and the last knock should land exactly at midnight open the door blow out the candle and then close the door the midnight Midnight Man is now with you until 3.33am. Light the candle again and spend the next few hours avoiding the Midnight Man. (laughs) If your candle goes out, it means he's near you. Relight the candle within 10 seconds and then get away. If at any point you can't relight the candle, surround yourself with a circle of salt and that's where you have to stay until 3.33am. If the Midnight Man attacks you, you'll start hallucinating and seeing your deepest fear as he harvests your organs. (laughs) Wait a minute. This is a game children (laughs) play? Apparently. Oh my god.
0: Our childhood was great. I have to admit though. (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) Uh, The next one, Cat Scratch. I forgot about this one until I read it. But basically to play, you sit down on the floor while your friend lays on their back and puts your head in their lap. Right? So you're sitting in crisscross applesauce or whatever and their head is in your lap. You tell them a scary story about a cat as you rub their temples and end the story by saying Cat Scratch three times. Your friend should get up quickly right away and lift up their shirt to see if they have red claws up and down their back. You did You did this? Cat scratch, cat scratch. I remember doing, I think I only oh, did it once. I remember this one. I don't know if it actually worked. That's freaky. Okay. You're giving me chills. What the hell? <laughs> we haven't even started. <laughs> well, then there, number 10, the last one I'll talk about before we get into the focus of Sinful Spirits today Okay. is the elevator game. It involves riding an empty elevator and spe- you push a specific sequence of floors. It's like two two, four, five, three, two, like you have to do it in a certain sequence. And if anybody walks in when you get to that floor, you have to start all over again. Um, But it says it will open up, if you do it in sequence, it will open up to an alternate universe where forces will try to trap you and keep you from going back into your world. As a disturbing bonus to this, this is the game that Elisa Lamb was playing at the Cecil Hotel. Do you remember that story? When her body was found in the water tower? Yeah. Or in the water tank so that's the game that it was suspected that she was playing you remember seeing the video footage where she was acting all freaky and everything and she was pushing buttons and she was like sneaking out of the elevator we're like well maybe somebody maybe she was hiding from somebody well she actually could have been playing this game i like it i like it it's freaky yeah oh my god yeah and what if she did open the door to an alternate universe and that's how she got into the water tank we so need to
0: go to fucking cecil we just solved the case we did oh
1: my god <laughs> let's go crime chat on on location yeah the Cecil hotel exactly there we go i i want to play some of these games now let's do it we'll have to do it at the Cecil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're gonna do everything wrong at the Cecil. we're just gonna step <laughs> on every crack walk under every ladder break mirrors break mirrors all over the place break mirrors. yeah
1: yeah. what was it that um that you talked about I think it was in one of the mob episodes that we did where they had this group of people that intentionally would like do all these superstitious things just to prove it wrong Which what that was the Friday the 13th that's right okay there were a group of men
0: and they're, they're higher ups they're like judges and officials and stuff and it's yeah. the suspicion club or something and they break that's what they do they get together every year and they break superstition
1: let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. cat are you ready for my sinful spirit today? I'm so ready because, so I, I have a quick story to tell you too before. Okay. So, like when the original Candyman came out, I can't remember. I think I was either 15 or 16 when it came out. And I went with my girlfriend to go see it oh. at the movie theater. She was 17. I was not 17 yet. So, you couldn't see a rated R movie right. at the time. So, we went to go get tickets and they wouldn't let us in to go see it. What did you do? I got mad. Oh, you didn't sneak in? No. We didn't sneak. In. We didn't see it. Her mom came and picked us up, mm. and they were like, "She lives with us. She can see, you know, kind of thing." And like her mom was like, "I'm her caretaker, and she can go see it." And blah blah blah. I mean, obviously that wasn't the case, <laughs> but we didn't sneak in, no. And of course, saw it eventually. So I can't remember. I was like, because I grad- I graduated high school when I was seventeen, so I was younger than a lot of my right. Like, classmates. Right. Yeah. Oh, I would have snuck in. <laughs> I, I don't. I think I probably would have been too scared to do that. <laughs>
0: Well, as you mentioned, all these fun urban legends that we used to participate in when we were kids. Yeah. These are really innocent. There's a YouTube and it's hilarious. It's a dad yeah. who is hosting his daughter's first sleepover. So he's got a bunch of like 11 year olds and 12 year olds running oh, around gosh. the house, you know,
1: <laughs> p- making pizza, doing all this stuff. Yes. And that is why I know how I was. And that's why I'm grateful I never had girls. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what he did was they decided they really wanted to play the Ouija board yeah so he set them up in the living room they're all in a circle they're playing they're freaking each other out this man goes downstairs shuts off all the lights <gasps> and he recorded their reaction and all you hear are the girls screaming <laughs> I can only imagine though. I don't know if it's bad that I find
1: humor in that, but I think it's freaking hilarious. So looking, okay, so looking back, I was getting ready to turn Mm -hmm. 13. Well, I had turned, I had turned 13. So my birthday's in October, Mm. right? October 11th. That year it fell on a Wednesday, which means Friday the 13th was on, well, the 13th was on a Friday. Right. I would turn 13 Uh. that year. And I was riding my bike around like the neighborhood. Uh I'd gotten a bike for my birthday and I was riding it around the neighborhood. Like I felt like I got pushed into the ditch. It freaked me out. You still don't know till today. Unsolved. Uh, yeah. Hashtag unsolved. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I don't know what. Like, it felt like I got pushed or something happened where I got pushed. And then I kind of got up and I, like, looked around and there was nobody there. I mean, there was nobody around. So I got on my, back on my bike and I got the fuck home. Yeah. Because it scared the shit out of me.
0: (laughs) That would freak anybody out. Oh, my God. Yes, I know. I know. Some of you know, as Kat mentioned, the Bloody Mary. Yeah. Which is similar to the story I'm going to go over, but much older, of course. Yes, yes. Bloody Mary, as you know, is something that you, you go in front of a mirror like Kat was demonstrating in the beginning. You say, her name several times, and she either kills you, scratches you, or something. Right, something happens. Historically, the ritual was now get this. You ready? Yeah. A young woman needed to walk up a flight of steps backwards holding a candle in one hand and a hand mirror in the other in a dark house Uh what the fuck is that about like who the hell i seriously i i I think i remember this like folklore yeah yeah as they gazed into the mirror (laughs) they would (laughs) either get a glimpse of their future husbands because you know that's what all women think about is their husbands of
1: course like who am i gonna marry
0: or they get a glimpse of a skull and that means that they're gonna die before marriage
1: oh did you ever do like with an apple you know how you got the the core and you would twist it and you go every time you twist it you would say a letter a b c and whatever it ended that was going to be the first letter of whoever it was you're going to marry no mine always ended on c my first husband's name was charlie my husband now is chris <laughs>
0: Great. I've never done that. I should try it
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> it, should, it's, it should work, right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we don't know who Bloody Mary truly is. Some say that it was based on Queen Mary Tudor, who was the queen who killed about 300 people due to their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. It could be Elizabeth Bathory, yeah. who was going to be a future crime chat. Yeah. She tortured 650 girls for their blood. Yeah. Or Mary Worth, who killed slaves during the Underground Railroad. I mean, who knows? Yeah. where where it could come from but today sinful spirit will be about the candy man Candyman. man candy man Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) The Candyman was originally a short story called The Forbidden, written by Clive Barker, published in 1986. Okay. It was one of the six horror stories in the Books of Blood series. Okay. Now, although it inspired the movie Candyman, The Forbidden was a very different story. Clive Barker, who is British, set the story in the UK, Mm -hmm. and it was about urban legends that come to life in order to protect the community. So in this story, the community was an all-white lower class... It took a hard look at the social divide in the UK. Okay. They've always dealt with yeah, yeah. Now when the story came to the US of course it took a different version. Sure. Bernard Rose the director and screenwriter decided to highlight the issues in the US instead and he focused more on race. Mm-hmm. Now although the 1992 version has some issues and it does. Right. It walked a very delicate line racially in order to send its message mm-hmm. and have the most impact. Yes. And And do you remember that movie 1992? Oh
1: absolutely yeah. And actually so when the new Candy man just came out like my husband night would like we watched the originals to watch like the newest one that just came out yeah and actually we still haven't watched the newest one yeah it's good but
0: i mean i'm i'm a i am i am I like the original oh yeah I'm yeah just, just so partial to that because i just love those 80s horror films <laughs> what was her name was it susan helen helen Helen. Helen. The movie in 1992, it's centered around a very real location and the living conditions in the U.S. Sure. Unfair housing, crime, corruption. It gives us a bird's eye view into the terrible housing projects that we called Caprini Green, located on the north side of
1: Chicago. Yep, I remember. Yeah.
0: The Candyman was brilliantly played by Tony Todd, who was the villain in the story. He portrayed Candyman as as a highly intelligent emotionally scarred shakespearean anti-villain with voice as sweet as honey girl Mm -hmm. oh Mm -hmm. you remember him Helen.
1: The 2021
0: version, it didn't have Tony Todd, and Tony Todd is Candyman. I'm sorry. He is.
1: I mean, that's like, he will forever be known as the Candyman. I don't care whatever other movies he plays in.
0: Yeah. And although 2021, they did a good job with incorporating other really horrible stories in the U.S., and they did do that. Mm -hmm. Still, I don't know. I'm just partial to Tony (laughs) Todd. With that said, before I get into the main crime chat today, there are two worthy mentions here that highly influenced the American version of Candyman in both the 1992 and the 2021 movie. Okay. And I need to mention it so it's going to be like real quick. Yeah. First one, the title is They Came Through the Mirror. The actual crime that influenced Candyman at Caprini Green happened on April 22nd 1980 Mm. ruthie Mae mccoy a resident of caprini green called the police in a panic Mm -hmm. she told the operator she watched an intruder come through the cabinet bathroom mirror oh yeah the operator unable to make sense of ruthie's call logged it in as a disturbance and had a officer drive by but did not question ruthie Mm -hmm. the same night two neighbors called the police both reporting hearing gunshots from room 1109 which is Ruthie's apartment mm-hmm. police arrived and they said they knocked on the door Ruthie wouldn't answer it so they left they didn't pursue or try to find anything and try else. to go in it's Caprini Green the social injustice is already happening yeah like you see it happening and yeah. in front of you two days later Ruthie's neighbor called the police again when the police got there they knocked on the door again she wouldn't answer so they were like well she doesn't answer the door we can't break it down mm-hmm. unless somebody with the key can open it mm-hmm. so they got a manager to open the door for them and once the manager opened the door and let the police in Ruthie was found dead shot four times also her bathroom mirror cabinet yeah. was missing and it revealed a large crawl space behind it crazy I'm, I mean I'm picturing
1: the movie right now <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: the mirror this is how the real life Candyman entered the apartments yes. when the projects were designed all of the pipes that were connecting were located behind the bathroom mirror so yeah. when contractors would come in to fix a pipe they could just rip down a mirror mm-hmm. However, criminals in the building found that they can scurry through the walls and break into people's apartments through those mirrors. Mm -hmm. No joke. Like, people were coming through the mirrors. Yeah, yeah. Creepy as fuck. (laughs) As far as Ruthie's murder, there have been people that were suspected, but it's unsolved still today. Thankfully, the projects have been torn down. Mm -hmm. So the next uh, noteworthy mention is that of Ronald Clark O'Brien. This is the man who killed Halloween. Never heard of him? No. He has been... Highlighted by a couple of people that we love, like Bailey Sarian has done this person before. Oh, okay. So Ronald Clark O'Brien lived with his wife and two children, Timothy and Elizabeth. Timothy was eight, Elizabeth was 11.
1: Well, you know what? I'm sorry, you know what uh, automatically comes to mind the, is Michael, Michael Myers, like who killed Halloween, and I'm going, so that's why, okay. <laughs> killed? He made Halloween. <laughs> He Halloween. <laughs> he gave us what we love about Halloween. I know. By the way, it's only a few short months away. <laughs>
0: Halloween and Kat's birthday. <laughs> woo <Woo-hoo!
1: laughs> October is the best month ever.
0: Yes, it is. So on October 31st, 1974, in Deer Park, Texas, a middle class suburb of Houston, Ronald took his family along with a couple of other neighbor kids for trick-or-treating, which is always fun, mm-hmm. only to slip in their sack cyanide-filled poison pixie sticks. Oh, <laughs> yes! Okay, yes, okay. Crazy. I got it. The pixie sticks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Killing his young son, Timothy. Yes. On June 3rd, 1975, he was found guilty of capital murder and was sentenced to death. On March 31st, 1984, O'Brien was executed by lethal injection. During the execution, though... Hundreds of people gathered around the, the I guess where they were uh, t- t- doing the execution and they yeah. were s- chanting trick-or-treat. Oh yeah. They wanted him dead because he scared the yeah. entire community. Oh
1: yeah I'm sure.
0: So that leads us to our main uh, crime chat.
1: The leading role.
0: The leading role. The worst of them all. The worst of the worst. The real Candyman and that is Dean Corll. Have you ever heard of him? Nope. No? Okay. <laughs>
1: I guess I you know, I never really realized that it was kinda of based on a true story. Yeah. You surprise me with all these like movies versus reality things.
0: <laughs> They're fun. You don't realize that yeah. there's so much inspiration taken from the horrible things that happen in real life that I know. Uh, Sorry people. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The real candy man, Dean Arnold Coral was born on December 24th, 1939 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The first child of Mary Emma Robertson and Arnold Edwin Coral. Corll's father was strict with his children whereas his mother was super protective of both of her sons and coddled them. Mm.
1: The mother-son relationship and the father-daughter relationship. So important. So we talked about that last yeah. week with, with uh, Schaefer. Oh. His father like openly favored the daughter. Yeah. And Schaefer at one point was like, he wished he was a girl. I mean, this messes up with the kid's psyche. Yeah, because he was angry at women. Like,
0: he hated women, I think, and that really... Yeah. Dean's parents were divorced in 1946. Mm -hmm. Coral's mother remarried and started a small candy company. Initially operating... Not a candy company initially operating from the garage of their home, okay. From the earliest days of the business, Dean worked mm-hmm. while he attended school, so he would get up five in the morning, start helping mom, go to school, come back, work some more. So he was a hard worker and he wanted, you know, he loved his mommy. Yeah, while his stepfather sold the candy, his mother managed the actual business end of it. Okay, Dean and his younger brother operated the machines that produced the candy, and that was kind of like their company. Okay, so his mother eventually divorced her second husband. At this time, Dean had spent seven several years working at the candy shop mm-hmm. he got along with many of the neighborhood kids he even gave them free candy Ooh. which earned him the name handyman handyman
1: yeah the candy man does. you know that oh, song nobody can cause the <laughs> candy man can yeah Ugh. now when
0: you think of this story and then you think of that song you're like oh this creepy in the making yeah but behind his sweet smile dean had a dark secret of Don't they all? Of
1: course, they all all do. By 1962,
0: they changed the name of the company and called it the Coral Candy Company. Okay. Unsurprisingly, a mom named Dean, Vice President, and the younger brother,
1: Treasurer. So does this... Have you like in any of this like do you have pictures of like the candy and stuff that they actually manufactured no but after this crime chat i am going to Let's do that put some old school pictures of the coral candy company up there i'm cu- i'm just curious yes oh my god what if they made something really good we don't have it anymore i
0: know <laughs> damn it dean god
1: science is gonna have a field day without brains <laughs> <laughs> Do you see how we work in so many different directions?
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Although Dean was drafted by the US Army in, in 1964, he served about 10 months. He successfully applied for hardship discharge after explaining that his mommy needed him to run the company. Yeah. So he had to leave the military. Yeah. many people would say before the crimes there were warning signs of course there always are of course there are yeah yeah for instance when a young teenage boy who worked at the company complained to dean's mother that dean said inappropriate things to him sexual things rather than questioning dean mama just fired the boy well i mean i can
1: see that like you're gonna make stuff up about my son bye-bye yeah she didn't even inquire about like it's just weird well I don't know. ignorance is the best policy <laughs> you know
0: what it is it so, it's so funny how the generational, the coddling. So, like, I wasn't really coddled growing up. So, like, if I did, if a neighbor came to my oh, parents yeah. and said, Your kid just did this, my father would be like, What'd you do? Like, he would immediately blame me. Yeah. Like, What did you do? Because, you know, neighbor
1: isn't going to lie to me. Yeah. Today, it's like, Flipped. Yeah, it, Oh, you know, and well, and I think I told you we had a uh, what is what do they call it? Ding and ditch. Did I, I've told you about this. Like it was last yeah. year, like where they would come and ring the doorbell and not realize we had like a video cam. So I, mm-hmm. I we took a picture, a snapshot of the kid's picture, and I posted it on social media, and I was like, "Please take control of your son, or please take control of your child." I'm tired of my doorbell ringing at eleven o'clock at night. Right. A day or two later, like the parents made him come and apologize. Good. Good. Yeah. But so, you needed video footage of it, like. it's Like, there is no denying, like, if that is your child, and I, of course, I had no idea who it was, but they were doing it as a prank, and, you know, I get it, but when it happens. It's annoying. Yeah, It's, it's a annoying. disturbance.
0: Yeah, had something like that happen when I was a kid and I was I was the perpetrator. So like <laughs> a bunch of us on the block, we were young. I mean yeah. we must have been like 10, 11. We would do ring and run. Yeah. Ring a doorbell and run. Yeah. But we were so stupid back then. We would do it to people on our block. <laughs> like, well that's the
1: thing is he lived at the end of the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: so stupid. One of the neighbors came out and we had like a very you know it was like a city block so you can like be talking on the yeah. street and people will hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the dads came out and screamed and said, "Uh, Mrs. So-and-so is crying. You owe her an apology. (laughs) Kids came from every house, whether they were guilty or not, they came over to that house to apologize. (laughs) Because they were going to get their ass beat. (laughs) That's right. Good old days. Good old days. So meanwhile, the candy factory seemed to be attracting several teenage boys. Word got out that Dean kind of looked after kids that were struggling, like giving them food and feeding them and stuff like that that. During this time Coral befriended a 12 year old boy named David Brooks in 1967. Mm-hmm. The boy was from a broken home and he initially looked up Coral as a father figure. Okay. After a while the friendship began to develop into a sexual relationship. Ugh. Gross. Coral would pay the boy for sexual favors. Prostitution. Well there's a lot to unpack there. He's 12 years old that poor. Well yeah kid, yeah yeah
1: but I mean like even uh, <clears throat> you can't even call it human trafficking because he's actually paying him. Right. And it's not like it's going through somebody where they wouldn't get paid yeah in 1968, Coral's mother
0: closed the candy factory for good and moved to Colorado. Coral decided to stay behind and switch occupations and he found work as an electrician. Okay. In 1970, Coral and his friend David, the same young boy, also embarked on a new venture and that would be murder. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> with the help of Brooks, Dean would lure young boys and men, mostly from the low income neighborhoods in Houston Heights, okay. into his car with the promise of a party at his house. Ooh. They were basically just hanging out on the streets. They had nothing else going on. Yeah, why not? Once at the house, there was no escape. The boys were supplied with drugs and alcohol, then strapped to a torture board that was two and a half feet wide and eight feet long. The board had drill holes in each corner. I was going to say, so they're like strapped in, right? Oh, God. This is where I'm going to leave a lot for Patreon because it is bad. Okay. So he would store the boards in a room lined to plastic most of the victims would spend days on the board being tortured raped until they can no longer stay alive like that's how bad it was the victims were forced to endure unspeakable horrors tortures would consist of methodically pulling out hair from the entire body inserting a thick glass rod or tube into the boy's urethra and then breaking it off oh breaking the glass off in the urethra. inserting it and then breaking it off so it would stay inserted oh god and then he would no- off the victim's genitals with his teeth. Why don't I know about this? Oh yeah, no. Go- Google it. I don't want to. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I said I'm gonna leave all the torturing to Patreon because there's so much more here. I just named three. I mean, he's as bad as Schaefer. Oh uh, Yeah, he's just as bad as Schaefer, but Schaefer got to a hundred. Yeah, oh. I think Schaefer had his anger out for women and this man had his anger out for, for boys. For boys, yeah. Coral buried most of the bodies in separate locations Mm -hmm. In 1971, Coral recruited another young boy to help lure victims. His name was Wayne Henley and he was only 15 years old and the three of them got to work. Coral offered Brooks and Henley $200 each for every victim they brought in. Henley later told authorities that he participated in the gruesome scheme because he needed to feed his family with the money. The group of killers did not discriminate. Some of the murder victims were hitchhikers. Some of them were just kids minding their own business. And some of them were actual friends of Brooks and Henley. Unknowingly getting lured to their death by their trusted peers. People began to notice an alarming number of young people going missing in their neighborhood. In June and July 1973, Coral, assisted by Henley and Brooks, ramped up his killing spree. He murdered seven people within a month. That's a lot. He tortured. Tortured. And they probably succumbed to their injuries. Coral killed his final victim on August 3rd, 1973. A 13-year-old boy David Brooks had abducted for him. Mm. Four days later... August 7th, Henley brought a couple of teenage friends, Tim and Rhonda, with him to Coral's house. Coral was furious that Henley brought a girl to his house. There's
1: no girls here. Exactly.
0: And the two argued until suddenly Coral seemed to calm down. Henley returned to the party with the three kids, drank, smoked some pot, puffed some paint fumes, and then they all passed out. Mm -hmm. While they were unconscious, Coral tied up all three, including his buddy, Henley. When Henley awoke, Coral, his mentor and partner in crime told him that he was going to kill him for bringing a girl into the house so henley begged for his life and eventually convinced coral to release him the two teens coral moved to the bedroom and strapped him mm-hmm. down to the torture bed okay. at this time the girl is just unconscious mm-hmm. coral began to beat and torture tim and he ordered henley to cut off Rhonda's clothes with a knife Rhonda woke up and pleaded with henley for her life uh, something in henley's brain snapped he then turned to dean saying i I can't go on any longer i can't kill my friends mm-hmm. these people were his friends in right the, the ones that he
1: was luring in were all of his yeah friends.
0: henley grabbed the gun and threatened coral who approached henley shouting out then kill me wayne kill me and wayne Good. killed him basically I know right so Henley shot Coral several times killing him Henley freed Tim and Rhonda and the three of them together called the police Henley decided to unburden himself and confess to the three year murder spree that he helped facilitate Wow Henley led police to the burial sites and 28 victims were identified Henley and Brooks stood trial and both were sentenced to life in prison okay. today Henley and Brooks are both in their 60s they continue to serve their sentences in the Texas prison
1: and that is it so the guy that the bad guy is dead but that how did coral recruit decide who was going to be recruited or decide who was going to be killed you know like
0: he left that for wayne and david because in the neighborhood he was just becoming an old guy
1: Ugh, yeah what is that What well, movie where it's like old balls yeah <laughs> 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 yeah Ugh, <ew. sighs> oh my god
0: So Wayne Henley and David Brooks, they were the neighborhood kids, and they were able to say, hey, you know, I got this adult friend who will supply us with a party. Oh, he'll get us alcohol, and yeah, okay. Yeah, 28 kids. The youngest was 13, but what he did to these poor boys were, was, it's, I, it's crazy how Rhonda fucked him up. Like a girl in the house fucked him mm-hmm. up. Like
1: Maybe that's all they needed was a woman breaking it yeah. in, you know? Absolutely. What do you mean I can't be here?
0: <laughs> Don't tell me I can't be here. <laughs> Rest in peace. The 28 victims of the Candyman.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah, that is the actual serial killer that Bernard Rose highlighted. But he also incorporated a a couple of other stories. And that was another thing that the 2021 movie veered away from. They actually incorporated two really horrific stories one of them was the the youngest person to ever be executed which was a uh i want to say a 12 year old african-american boy and they actually had to Mm -hmm. have him sit on a bible because he was too small for the electric chair oh they focused on uh that story the other story they focused on was this the story of where the african-american man got lynched so yeah so yeah that's that's the candy man everyone don't even don't (laughs) Don't play with me like that cat. (laughs) Oh, my God. And because we don't want to leave you hanging, chatters, for more information on this case, please
1: check out After the Crime Chat. And don't forget to follow us on Crime Chat with Nat and Cat for Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, tick a to see what is coming up next. And we already kind of talked about it a little bit. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Yes. It's going to
0: be the Crime Chat extravaganza. That it is. So, remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. We are everywhere. We're everywhere. We're on YouTube. We're on Patreon on twitter we're under your bed at night we're in your darkest <laughs> corner of your closet we're there we are candy man <laughs> just look in the mirror and go crime chat crime chat crime chat
1: <laughs> so yes and check out merch in the works also yeah so you're not gonna want to miss the next episode we're gonna dress up Yay. we're gonna give it our best Marilyn. Mm-hmm. you guys don't want to miss it we'll see you at the next crime chat bye bye